Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. It's PFTPM and Chris Sims unbuttoned divisional round week. Eight teams left. And, you know, usually we got to jam 16 games into one hour. Last week it was six games into one hour. We got four games, so we can really take our time and sound it out and think it through before we get every game wrong. Chris, hello. How are you? I'm doing good. You're right. It's, it's going to be good. Well, I mean, we can unpack these games a little bit, talk about a lot of different matchups, things like that. And I'm so excited for this weekend. To me, this is my favorite weekend of the year and all, the whole year, just Saturday, Sunday, and it's set up this year to be perfect. We were just talking about this before we came on air. I mean, we got... What we really believe is the eight best teams, and even though you love to see upsets and all those type of things, you know, I'm glad we didn't see anything crazy last weekend because now it lends itself to really four great matchups where, listen, I think you can make a case for any one of these teams, the underdogs, to win a football game, whatever, uh, but I'm pumped, and I can't wait to sit my butt on the couch for a first time all year on Sunday and watch a game on the couch at my house. Can't wait. As Pete Demolitis pointed out in the aftermath of Super Wild Card Weekend, in a normal Wild Card Weekend, prior years where there isn't a two versus seven game, it would have been a clean sweep by the road teams. The fives and the sixes both won straight up on the road. That got obscured given that the two seeds won in each conference for the first time of this Super Wild Card format. But, you know, the Bills. The Bills got to run for their money by the Colts, and there's eventually going to be. It's going to happen sooner than later. One of these seven seeds is going to win against a two seed. Now the two seed has to play in Super Wild Card Weekend. Yeah. Our performance in Super Wild Card Weekend, far from super. Straight up, not too bad. Four and two for me, five and one for you. You picked the Rams, I picked the Seahawks. Who'd have thought Russell Wilson would have lost to the combo of John Wolford plus busted Jared Goff. Oh, well. Against the spread, you kicked my butt. Four and two, I was two and four. And best bets, I don't think I went 0 and three all year long. So I'm definitely in postseason form with 0 and three, and you were one and two. And how, you, how, picked what? I, I just... you picked the Saints to cover. You picked the Saints to cover, and you got lucky because it looked like the Bears were going to stay within the 10. It did. And I picked I, I one of my best bets. Well, we both had the Buccaneers, I believe. Yeah, we lost that we by half a point. the Bills, right? Right. And I had the Steelers, so much for that, and you had uh, you had the Saints. So that, that, that saved you from being 0-3. But uh, they, these, the point spreads were very good last week. They were very well selected by the powers that be. I mean, look at it. If 
the Bears score with time on the clock and go for two and get it, uh, you're 0-3 as well. Yeah, no, I, I know. I mean, hey, it's the playoffs. I, I don't know. I mean, these damn teams are all there because they're good and they can make magic happen when they need to, and who knows how the hell these games go. All I know is, you know, again, put up that graphic with my record, our records and everything. I, I, I don't know how to pick games. That's my problem. I need somebody to teach me what I should be listening to in my own advice about breaking the games down and where to pick the games. I mean, I tell some people, I go, hey, I'm over 500 on the year picking against the spread. And like my better friends are like, that's amazing. Every game you're above 500. But I go, yeah, but then the three games I got to pick every week to my best bets, I'm 10 games under 500. So I obviously have an issue there where I don't understand betting or how to pick it. Um, So as again, I'll just say, listen to my information. Don't listen to my best bets. Yeah. And uh, look, it's it's. We understand that people are going to wager their hard-earned money on football. It's been that way ever since they first pumped a football up with air. But, man, it's not easy. And I know that people think that they can figure it out. It's not easy to figure it out. And uh, it's fun. It's fun for us. We don't have to have skin in the game. Our skin in the game is our reputation and trying to avoid looking like idiots. Good luck with that. But uh, it it is fun. And it it does give – even though I love watching football and, and I don't need that external boost to make it more interesting, when I know that you and I disagree on a game or I've called sure. it a best bet or whatever it is, it, 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 it adds something to Definitely it for does. me. It does enhance the, the viewing and the experience of winning or losing, whatever the case may be. So let's get into the divisional round weekend. It is the best weekend in football. Even though I'm spoiled by the six games now, I really like Super Wild Card Weekend has closed the gap with divisional round weekend because yeah, I, I love the, the back-to-back days with three games. But these are extremely impactful games. The winner advances to the conference championship round. And let's get started with the Saturday games. Uh, as always, the odds are... Provided by our friends at PointsBet Sportsbook. It begins with the six-seeded Rams at the top-seeded Green Bay Packers. Packers with the bye. Packers six-and-a-half-point favorites. Packers playing on the frozen tundra. The Rams coming in from Los Angeles. And, and let's, let's, let's take a look at this thing, both sides of the ball, Chris. Start, yeah. start with your thoughts on how the Packers' offense matches up with the Rams defense. Well, this is the the star-studded event, right? I mean, you know, one of the best offenses in football, the number one scoring offense in football versus the best defense in football, the number one scoring defense in football, and yards allowed. I mean, this is a heavyweight showdown. And to me, really, it, it's, it's this matchup where I think, you know, it's going to dictate who wins the football game. The Rams are awesome at everything. They're a speed football team primarily. But even though for a speed team, you know, their speed and their guys that they have up front are stronger than they should be for their actual size. Like, right, Aaron Donald, 280-pound defensive tackle. We should be able to move him out of the way, no problem. No, he's got the strength of like a 370-pound man in that 280-pound body. And they got a lot of guys like that. But if there is one issue with the Rams or one way to attack them, and I think the teams you look at that beat them throughout the year, you know, they made them play a little bit of phone booth football. You know, and to me, that's where the game will come down to. If the Packers, Mike, I mean, to me, the I don't think Aaron Rodgers, as great as he is in this passing game, 
I don't know how you feel about this, but I just feel like if it becomes a passing game against this Rams defense with that front four and Jalen Ramsey and his ability to match up with the Devontae Adams, I go, then the Packers are in trouble if it has to be like Aaron Rodgers has to throw the ball 40 or 45 times a game. Uh, at least that's the way I feel. How, how do you feel about that, that aspect of it? Well, well, I mean, think about it. If Ramsey can neutralize Devontae Adams, and I think that is going to be the absolute number one key to the game. Right. Will Aaron Rodgers have any room to throw to Devontae Adams? And will Aaron Rodgers try to thread a needle if he sees that Adams is covered, but there's a spot where he can put the ball and Adams can still make the catch? How much does Rodgers trust Adams to make the catch if he's being blanketed by Jalen Ramsey. But if Adams can be neutralized by one guy, then what happens? I know. How much time does Aaron Rodgers need before one of these other guys gets open? Will Aaron Donald be breathing down his neck? Does Rodgers still have the mobility to roll out of the pocket, step up, move, run, whatever the case may be? I, I, that that's to me, it's Ramsey versus Adams and what that does to the rest of the offense. And will Rodgers try to force it in to a tight window? Because look, even when a guy is completely covered, the best quarterback, the most accurate passer can still find a spot to put yeah. the ball where the guy has a chance to catch it. Right. You can't completely surround a guy and prevent him from catching a pass no matter how covered he is. Yeah, you can get in and you can knock it away, but there's still a place you can put it where the defensive back can't get to it, and Rodgers has the accuracy to do it. But if he does he do that or does he move on to plan B? And if they struggle, what are we going to hear? And it's rightfully raised by Packers fans and media. Hey, if you hadn't used a first-round pick on Jordan Love and a fourth-round pick to trade up to get Jordan Love with your first-round pick and you gotten a receiver instead, that receiver would be 17 games into his career right now and he'd be ready to contribute in this spot. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I mean, they're going to hear that. That's that's the gamble they took by what they did in the draft. There is. I mean, you're, and you're right about your whole matchup there with Devontae and, and Jalen Ramsey. You know, that's going to be something to watch for. That's where I get into, you know, and that's where it plays right up the Rams alley. You know, one, if you start throwing the ball too much, yes, Jalen Ramsey can lock down Devontae Adams. You know, they can also just play straight up zone coverages. The Rams want to play pass defense. They don't, they want to go, you're not going to throw the ball onto us until you know and we're not going to come up and play aggressive run defenses until you show us you can run the ball on us and that to me is where the game is going to be won or lost you know and 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 I would say like maybe November late October I didn't know if Green Bay can impose their will physically on the run game against really good defenses in football I, I changed my tune towards the end of the year but I think that balance is going to be key because the Rams it's it's a really good defense. The Packers are the best, most balanced offense the Rams have had to play all year long. I don't think anybody uh, has come up to the, to that level, you know, as far as who they've had to play against, as far as balance is concerned. And if they can get into, we're running it, the hell with you, we're going to smash it down there, and now you start to get the Rams having to play some single safety defenses and get away from that, 
that's when then Rodgers, even if there is a Jalen Ramsey on a Devontae Adams, he might be able to hit Tunyon and the Marquez Valdez-Scantling against very good looks because the Rams are concerned with the run game. And, and to me, that'll be one of the big questions of the game altogether. Can that Packers offense run the ball on the Rams? And Aaron Jones is going to be so critical to this because he is in the contract year. This is the contract push. This is now 24 teams at home watching these games, making notes about what they'd like to do to improve their teams. And here's Aaron Jones with an opportunity to get paid the contract that the Packers have yet to give him. He's had two postseason appearances. They were both last year against the Seahawks in a victory in the divisional round. It was a 21-carry, 62-yard effort, 2.95 yards per carry. That's not great. Against the 49ers, it was 12 for 56, a much higher yards per carry average, but they got thumped. They got away from the running game. That is going to be what I think is so critical. Non-existent in the passing game against the Seahawks, one catch for four yards, five for 27 against the, the uh, 49ers. He did score four total touchdowns in the postseason, but the yardage contribution wasn't there. They're going to need that, and he's got every reason to have a huge game with every opportunity he gets. The, the, he, he's going to hear the cash register ringing if he does something with it, and that ultimate individual incentive could end up making a big difference for the team. No, definitely. I think he could be one of those weapons that we, you know, yeah, we, we kind of overlook going into this one too. You know, Just even the usage of him coming out of the backfield you know, and, and trying to find mismatches in the pass game that way, too, could be very key, too, especially if they start to run the ball a little. You know, again, that's where it goes into it. Oh, run the ball. Now the Rams are worried about that, maybe in a base defense or a run-stopping defense. Oh, wait, Aaron Jones was behind Aaron Rodgers in the I formation. Now he's motioned out to receiver, and we've seen. They'll throw any route to Aaron Jones, slants, double moves, go routes, whatever. They don't care. He runs corner routes. He does it all. Uh, so I do. I'm with you. I expect him to be a big part of that game, you know, and then uh, we'll see where that goes. But the other side of the ball, that's that's another aspect. We got it's not as sexy, but I do find that interesting, too. You know, the Packers have a lot of a lot of experience against the inside outside zone scheme because of they play the Vikings twice a year who love to do that. You know, they just played a team and the bears who have changed into an inside outside zone bootleg team, but the element the Rams bring always that stresses it more than the normal is that speed sweep action. And that's where it's going to be key. I do think the Packers with their guys like the Smith brothers and, and Gary, and Kenny Clark, and then their phenomenal secondary, I think they are a team that can go, hey, let's stop the run. We can trust our secondary versus this pass game. It's kind of simple. And they'll, they'll give that Rams offense, I think, a very tough time as well. Yeah, I'm selling out to stop Cam Akers yeah, and whoever else they put right. back there to run the football. And I'm going to force, whether it's John Wolford or Jared Goff, and Sean McVay is keeping his cards close to the vest. Whoever it is, I'm forcing that guy to beat me. The, the, I'm looking at the forecast. It's, it's not horrible for the Rams. High of 33, low of 25, 24% chance of precipitation. Thursday, Friday, snow. Saturday, no snow. So I, the field will not be an issue. The conditions won't be an issue. You know, Jared Goff out in the elements, if he's the guy, there won't be elements, but it will be cold. It could be windy, and uh, I, I, I'll take my chances trying to defend Goff or Wolford. I'm not going to let Cam Akers beat me. No, I agree. And Goff, I mean, we've seen he's had issues throwing the ball in the cold. 
you know, Goff is not a pure thrower in the warm either, so he's certainly not going to be one in the cold. And I'm, that's the last thing I'll say about this game. That's going to be interesting to see who they start at quarterback. McVay has not committed yet. That just tells you that they like John Wolford, and they understand there's things he can do for that offense that maybe fit their team better than Jared Goff. Either way, pick time, and I'm going Packers 23-20. to I think this is going to be a close football game. I think that defense is going to be make the game ugly. And I think the Rams, even though I don't expect a lot of yards on the offensive side of the ball, as always, they'll nickel and dime themselves, control the clock, and I think this is going to be a nail-biter. I did pick the Rams to cover last week, even though I picked the Seahawks to win the game. I'm not going to pick the Rams to cover this week. I think that... Once this thing gets moving for the Green Bay Packers, the defense is going to help set things up. I don't have faith in the Rams' offense against the Packers' defense. I have much more faith in the Packers' offense against the Rams' defense than I had the Seahawks' offense in hindsight against the Rams' defense. I'll say 31-21, Green Bay Packers win the game. And it may be 24-21 late, and the Packers drive down and score a touchdown to ice the game. Either way, 6.5, I'll take the Packers to cover. And let's move on to the next game. We've got the, and this is our game on Saturday night, and this should be a great one. And here's hoping it snows because it will look awesome on TV. The Baltimore Ravens, as hot as any team in the NFL right now, if not the hottest team in the NFL, taking on the Buffalo Bills, who were on fire but got cooled off by the Indianapolis Colts, even though the Bills won the game. The Bills are a two-and-a-half-point favorite, and the one thing I've learned from you this year more than anything else is when the home team is a two-and-a-half-point favorite, the oddsmakers don't know what the hell's going to happen. So let's start figuring out what the hell's going to happen. Let's start with Bills offense versus Ravens defense. Uh, you know, do the Ravens have a run game to worry about? That's like the first question. Is there, you know, do you think they're going to really worry about the run game of the Bills going into this football game? Look at what they did to Derrick Henry. They shouldn't have to worry about the Bills running game. Exactly. Zach Moss is on injured reserve. Right. Devin Singletary's the top guy. They got Devontae Freeman now on the practice squad. He could make an appearance. His best days are well behind him. I don't think they have to worry about the running game. That's scary to me. That that's scary. Except Josh Allen. That's what they have to worry about. That that's about it. You're exactly right. You know, giddy up, giddy up, Josh Allen. Giddy up, giddy up. It's my boy Blue. And that's I mean to me. It's going to have to be more of that, all right? It's what it's going to have to be. I, I don't – you heard me say going into the playoffs, this is a team that is scary to me as far as matchups are concerned for Buffalo because they could just put Brandon Williams, Calais, Campbell, and Matt Judon on the defensive line and play the middle three on the middle three over the guard center and, and guard and then just go, eh, we think we can stop. Singletary in the run game with those three guys and we can drop eight into coverage and then you know next time we might have nine guys at the line of scrimmage and oh they all dropped into coverage and then it's nine guys at the line of scrimmage and oh they all blitzed and we can play man-to-man with Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey behind to me that's what's scary for Buffalo there's just not enough of a threat of a run game to ever make Baltimore scared enough to call run defenses that will set up for Josh Allen and that offense to be able to gash them. Now we've seen Mike. I don't know. Have the Ravens learned anything? You know, that's another question I'll ask you. You know, the Ravens typically have struggled against offenses like this, AKA the Kansas city chiefs and Patrick Mahomes. Well, listen, this is the closest thing to that right now in the game. Allen is like Mahomes. 
I mean, and, and the way they throw the ball. So, you know, that's where I go, to, you know, to you. What do you do if you're Baltimore? How do you approach the game? You know, how do you approach it? Are you playing coverage all game? Are you going to blitz and try to pressure him? You know, what do you do? Because you've been burnt when you try to play over-aggressive against Patrick Mahomes, and that could happen to you this week too. This is my uh, two cents uh, money back guaranteed take on it. And it's ultra obvious, which means it's probably incorrect, but there may be some merit to it at its core. I would do everything I could to take Stephon Diggs away from Josh Allen. Yeah. I would double him all day long. Right. And I would. Now, now the question is, which corner do you put on? Do you put Humphrey on him and get help? Or do you use Marcus Peters and get help or use someone else and get help over the top? Right. But I would do whatever I had to do to neutralize Stephon Diggs. And I would spy Josh Allen. And, you know, I don't know how much the Ravens do ones against ones at practice. But when you've practiced against Lamar Jackson at some point, maybe you're a little better suited to tracking down a running quarterback and getting him on the ground. But I would want a linebacker devoted to keeping eyes on Josh Allen and, and, and a guy that I trusted could get to him and knock him off his feet and maybe, you know, convince him not to run the next time because that hurt a little bit, even though he's got a big frame and it takes a lot to really rattle him. I would want to have a guy tracking Josh Allen all day long uh, and, and ready to swarm to him if he chooses to run the ball. Now that leaves you eight guys, you know, to otherwise take care of the rest of the weapons the Bills have. But I think their only chance of slowing down that offense is to neutralize Stephon Diggs and be ready to get to Josh Allen before he can go vertical on you with his legs. I would would agree, totally. And, you know, and that's where I also look at, like, you know, Baltimore's a team, too, that, you know, they don't open up. They're not not like a great pass-rushing team. You know, they're a little bit of like, we just maul you and push the pocket, right? And... I think that could be tough on Josh Allen, too. He's best when there's some lanes to kind of move around, and then he can dip out and get to the side or attack the line of scrimmage and run and do those things. This will be a Yannick Ngakwe game. This is the kind of guy that they got the ball to. This is why they traded for him. You know, it's the Josh Allen, the Patrick Mahomes game where, okay, yeah, we're the big, bad Baltimore Ravens, but we've never had a guy that could chase these guys down, these passing mobile quarterbacks, and they've burnt us by time, and we always lose to them. This is why they got Yannick Ngakwe. We'll see. And I think you pose a really good question about the corner thing. You know, what do they do? How do they match up? You know, I, I, I think you brought up an interesting part there to where I would go, I wouldn't be scared every now and then to go, hey, third corner, maybe Jimmy Smith, you take Stefan Diggs. We'll put a safety over the top of you. And now we might let Humphreys and Marcus Peters match up one-on-one with John Brown and Cole Beasley. And now, you know, you can do a lot of different stuff with some of the other guys, whether that's a quarterback spy and maybe an extra guy and a blitzer, have somebody dropping in the middle of the field. So it's very interesting. But I think overall what we're both saying is we think advantage Ravens defense, right? You got to have an account for Gabriel Davis as well, their rookie no, receiver. No question. Who, who, who could end up? playing a sneaky big role in this game if they do take away Stephon Diggs. No question. I, the, the, that, the approach of the Ravens' defense, to me, is going to be really one of the big factors of the game. If they're going to get up in the Bills' faces and play man-to-man and cry the line of scrimmage, then I think they're going to lose the game. That, that's what I, I, I say. But if they're going to play pass, pass, you got to prove to us you can run the ball with Devin Singletary in that run game, 
then I would go, that favors the Ravens. But typically the Ravens have been that pressure, leave your guy on an island type of team, and that's burned them against these type of quarterbacks. So we'll see where this goes. All right, let's flip it over to the other side of the ball. Ravens offense, Bills defense. Bills, you got to worry about them getting steamrolled like last week, right? I mean, the, the, the Colts were down by two scores and didn't even think about changing their approach. In fact, they went, whoa, we're down by two scores. Let's just run the ball. We'll gash them in the run game. The Bills struggle against teams that are balanced on offense like the Colts were last week. You know, the Ravens are not necessarily balanced. The Ravens went up to Buffalo Lamar Jackson's rookie year, and the Bills had a good approach to stop the Lamar Jackson run game and everything like that. They really did. But, of course, within doing that, they had to take chances that you would just go, whoa, are they taking a chance in the back end with coverage? And it at one point led to Mark Andrews down the middle with, like, no safety in the field, an easy touchdown. You know, that to me, like, I think – the the Bills can slow down the Ravens' run game maybe better than they did the Colts' run game just because I don't know if they're going to worry about the pass game as much as you had to worry about the Colts and Phillip Rivers and some of those passing weapons. So I, I go back again to what we saw last week. If the Ravens can just make you defend Hollywood Brown and the outside passing game just a little bit because I think the Bills are going to have to sell out to stop that running game, then – I go, man, advantage Ravens. But that's the question, Mike. I mean, do you think Lamar and, and, and Hollywood Brown and that passing game can do enough to where the Bills can't just go all in on playing run defense? Well, we saw it last week. Seven catches for 109 yards from right. Marquise Brown on nine targets and two carries for 19 yards, including that very creative but also dangerous flip to him down near the goal line that almost went awry, but coming up with ways to specifically get the ball in his hands. How many times have we preached that this year when you've got playmakers come up with ways to get the balls in their hands so they can they can make people miss, they can run past people, they can do the things that they, they have the incredible God-given ability to do. And I think what the Ravens did last week, now I don't think they did it as a, as, a, as a way to give future opponents something to think about. This was just designed to get past the Titans. Yeah. But it gives the Bills something to think about. Right. And so now they have to ask themselves, hey, if we, if we go all out to stop that three-headed monster at running back of, of uh, J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, and then Lamar Jackson when he's running the football, what is it going to expose us to right. with Hollywood Brown and Mark Andrews? And I think it's going to be tough for the Bills. And look, yeah, recency bias. Well, it was a playoff game, and the Bills got shredded by the Colts' offense. So my faith in the Bills has been shaken. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I, I hear you all the way. And you know, my my answer to like your question you just said: Are we going to go all in to stop that three-headed monster? What's the what's the repercussions off of that? I think it's it's I, I'm I have faith in Lamar and his ability to throw. I do. I, I'm not expecting 300 yards, but you know, like we both said all year long, if you're open, Lamar's going to hit you. It's not like he's like in case you know he's a good thrower of the football. Is he a great? No, but he's a really good thrower of the football, and he and he's pretty smart with where he places the football. So I I I expect to see more of that Hollywood Brown, and I think it's. It's a tough matchup. I, again, I think right now we're, we're going, we talked about the Ravens as a complete football team. We talked about the Bills really as Josh Allen and a bunch of other good players. And that's where I'm going with the Ravens. And this one, a team that seems to be on a mission. They're hot. 
They believed in themselves against the Bills, who were just getting into playoff world. And, yeah, they got a win last week, but you can't feel ultra-confident about the way you played. I'm going Ravens 27-24, Mike. I am going Ravens uh, 24-21. So we're in the same ballpark, almost the same score. And uh, uh, we're, we're, we're locked in now. And uh, when we make our picks Saturday night, everybody already knows we're on the Ravens. We'll see who picks the Bills. But I can't believe we agree. But we agree. And, and it's because the Ravens are the hottest team right now in the NFL. And the Bills have cooled off, at least based on what we saw in a playoff game. All right, yeah. let's take a break. When we return, it's Sunday. It's the reunion of Baker Mayfield and Patrick Mahomes, two guys that were in a 66-59 shootout in college, and also the two oldest quarterbacks to ever meet in a playoff game, 85 years old combined as of Sunday. Tom Brady and Drew Brees will get you ready for those games when PFTPM and Chris Sims Unbutton continue right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. PFTPM, Chris Sims Unbuttoned. Division around weekend upon us. We spent a lot of time talking about the Saturday game, Sunday games, as compelling, if not more compelling, odds as always provided by points bet. Let's begin with the early game. It's another one versus six matchup as the Browns, who stunned the Steelers and the rest of the football world with that victory on Sunday night, go to Kansas City. The Chiefs, a 10 point favorite with an over under a 56.5. It's Baker Mayfield versus Patrick Mahomes. They had an epic battle when Mayfield was the Oklahoma quarterback and Mahomes was at Texas Tech. Uh, Look, I say it all the time, Chris, the Chiefs, when you get their full focus and attention, they reach a higher level. I don't know that the Browns are a team that's going to get their full focus and attention, which may open the door a little bit. Let's do what we did last segment. Chiefs offense versus Browns defense. Can the Browns defense hold the Chiefs under 30? Uh, I, it's going to be tough. It, 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 I, I don't know. I don't feel confident about that. I mean, I, I would think they're going to be right around that range, anywhere from 27 to 38 or whatever. That, that's where the Chiefs live. And I certainly the, – the Browns' defense is, you know, not, not the Steel Curtain or the Baltimore Ravens of 2000s to where I think they're like some great unit that can slow this group down. 
I wish they had Olivier Vernon and another pass rusher. You know, we saw towards the end of the year that Chiefs offense had a hard time pass protecting. I've never seen Mahomes under pressure like that in his short career to this point. You know, so Miles Garrett and company, yeah, I think they can have their moments in this game. You know, here's another angle just to think about a little bit. You know, yeah, I think the Browns are in trouble, you know, man-to-man, anything like that in the back end, no doubt. Now, it does help. We got Denzel Ward and Kevin Johnson back this week. That's going to be huge for their, their football team. They haven't been there the last two games. Denzel Ward's really damn good. He's a guy you can put on Tyree Kill a few times during the game and go, I'll take my chances. You know, you don't love to do it. You don't want to be consistent with it, but you'll take your chances a few times. Here's another thing, too, Mike. Joe Woods, D coordinator of the Browns, you know, how did he spend his last two weeks of the year last year for the working for the San Francisco 49ers, getting ready for the Kansas City Chiefs? He'll have a good feel for this offense and things that they did or liked to do or talked about leading up to that game to at least maybe schematically slow them down. But can they actually do it? I, I don't know. That's a big that's a big if. Yeah, look, I, I, I am not going to doubt the Cleveland Browns after what they accomplished on Sunday night. The difference, though, is if you spot the Browns 24, 28, whatever, and you're the Chiefs, flip the switch. I mean, that's the thing about the Chiefs. They're just they're going to flip the switch at some point. I could see the Browns going up 10 nothing. Flip the switch. That's what the Chiefs do. And you can come up with the best possible scheme you can think of. The Chiefs are going to take what's left. If you're taking away everything deep, They'll be patient underneath. If you're completely taking away the pass, they'll run the ball. This, this to me, if, if the question is, as I posed it, over under 30 points, the Chiefs are going to score more than 30 against that defense. The, 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 you, it's, it's, it's going well, to be yeah. very difficult when they've got two weeks to get ready. We know how good Andy Reid is when he's got two weeks to get ready. And the Chiefs have been through all the adversity you could imagine. I just I, I don't see the Chiefs offense being slowed down by anyone at this point. I hear you. And, you know, when you look at Cleveland's schedule, right, from the year, I mean, these are things I like to look at as I break down these games and think about who I'm going to pick. They really never played an offense like this all year. And I know people are going to go, well, well, there's no offenses. Like, I mean, offenses that were passed first, big-time arm, aggressive throwers down the field. You know, they never had a deal with Justin Herbert or Josh Allen or Mahomes, or Tom Brady in that offense. They never really had anything like that come into town all year long, except for the Houston Texans. But on that day, the weather was so bad, nobody could throw the ball. So they never really had to defend the Texans' pass game. And that's where I don't like it either. You know, when you have to play a team like Kansas City, and you've never played anything like them all year, and have no reference of them specifically either, you know, you haven't played them in the last few years, I think that could be a little scary and maybe shock them a little bit by, whoa, these guys are faster. Whoa, Mahomes is more elusive than I thought and looked like on screen. That first time you see Kansas City in person, you know, it can be scary. But I'll say one last time, too, before we slip over to the other side of the ball. You know, we, you and I have talked over the years a lot. The Chiefs, for whatever reason, have had issues with this defensive scheme. You know, whether it's the Colts losing at home to them last year, the 49ers in the Super Bowl. We saw the Chargers slow them down earlier this year with that scheme. You know, so that's where I, I give Browns a little hope, but I don't know if they truly have the Jimmies and the Joes to come through and match up with, with Kansas City's offensive weapons. 
All right, let's flip it over. Chiefs defense overlooked because it's all about Mahomes and company. Browns offense effective as long as you can give Baker Mayfield time. And the offensive line last week did an excellent job. Patchwork group because of the COVID thing. Joe Batonio wasn't available. It worked. T.J. Watt was not in Baker Mayfield's face. Will Chris Jones or others be harassing and haranguing Baker Mayfield on Sunday? Well, Chris Jones is a, a different animal. I mean, to me, and, you know, we've talked about this a lot, too. He, other than Aaron Donald, Chris Jones is the most disruptive, dominant interior defensive lineman in football. Uh, he's a force. Um, what do you do, like, if you're the Browns, Mike? Your offense is kind of hot. You're moving the ball just about – at will against teams when you've been healthy, other than that Jets game, right, where they had all the receivers out and all that. You've been really able to move the ball against anybody and be effective. Do you continue to attack against what is an NFL average defense? Or would you play the, we're going to run the ball and try to run out the clock and do that thing a little bit? What what, what do you think is the best approach? I'm torn when I think about that. Well, I, I, I think that, you know, we talked last week about the importance of the Colts keeping Josh Allen on the right. sideline. I think that's job number one. You do. And that may go against every instinct of Baker Mayfield. He wants to get into a shootout with Patrick Mahomes because he won a shootout with Patrick Mahomes. But that was a different time when Mahomes was the guy with the lesser talent around him and Baker Mayfield was the guy with the superior team. When you have the lesser team, especially the lesser offense, and I think we can all agree on that, and Browns fans would agree on that. The yep. Browns offense is not the Chiefs offense. You do what you have to do to keep them on the sideline for as long as you possibly can. So you grind it out, take the full 40 seconds of the play clock, and get Baker Mayfield to just go along with that, even if he wants to get into a gunslinging contest with Mahomes. That's going to be the key. That's what they need to do. If they want to have a chance, maybe that's how you keep them under 30. Limit their possessions. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Uh I just don't know if they can do it. I don't know. That would be the big question to me. The, the, we have said this so many times. When the Chiefs want to stop something on defense, they can stop it. It doesn't matter who it is. Derrick Henry, the 49ers last year in the Super Bowl, when they want to do that, they can do it. You know, So I, I'm going to play, and, and I'm going to make my pick here. I'm going to pick Chiefs 34-27. I, I, I am because I just think ultimately I do think this could end up being a little bit of a even though the Browns might try to run the clock out I wouldn't be shocked if they're like well damn Chubb ran off left tackle for 50 yards and then we ran the bootleg the next play and the guy was wide open you know over the middle of the field and we scored we meant to run out the clock but we scored I don't know you know they are that kind of offensive line to where the Chiefs are gonna have to bring people up there to stop the run game but I still go with the Chiefs uh, I just I got to see them lose before I pick against them, and I think they'll be able to slow down that Browns running game. 34-27, so you, Chiefs. You've got the Browns covering. I've got the Chiefs 35-24, the Chiefs covering. Okay. So we agree on the winner, but we disagree on the winner as it relates to the application of the point spread. All right, this is the game of the weekend in my view. Round three, Saints-Buccaneers. No one's ever beaten Tom Brady three times in one year. Drew Brees is going to try to do it two days after his 42nd birthday. It seems far more likely that Brees is going to be done after this season than Brady. Can the Buccaneers, now at the tail end of the season, after they've had all year long to get up to speed, and they're a far different team than what they were in week one right. at New Orleans, week nine when they got shredded at home on 
uh, Sunday night football, 38 to three by the Saints. Can they actually pull it off and avoid being swept in three games by the Saints, Chris? That, that, and let's 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 do our let's do our yeah. thing, a truncated right. But offense, defense. Let's start looking at the Bucks offense where it is right now against the Saints defense. Right. Uh, well, I got you said it. Like you know, it, it's a different Bucks team. You know, than than where they were offensively in that thirty-eight to three, you know, domination by the Saints on that Monday Night Football game. Uh, they were still. I mean, we came in doing our PFT show the next day after that game, still going. Wait, what are the Bucks doing? Why are they still in the shotgun and trying to spread it out and run the Brady Edelman Wes Welker Patriots offense? Remember, that's what we were saying. It was really right after that where I feel like it started to change when they finally were like. Hey, Tom, we don't have all these Wes Welker Edelman plays. I'm sorry. So instead, we're just going to protect you, and you're going to have to adjust to what we do best. Like, and you're going to have to start throwing the ball down the field. And that's where they've changed and become such a dangerous offense. You know? So that's the, I mean, that's the battle of the heavyweights. This Bucks offense, that's as good as anybody with explosive plays are throwing the ball, as good as Buffalo, Mahomes, and Kansas City against the Saints defense that's – you know, you make me pick one defense in football right now. I'm I'm gonna pick the Saints. I get oh no, I'm gonna pick the Rams. I'm gonna pick the Saints twice. Second, uh, that that's to me where it is all about. And here's the question for me, Mike. I I don't know. Do you think, do you think the Saints can pressure Brady in this football game? Do you think their front four can get there against the way Tampa's protecting right now against Brady? What what's your thought there? Well, look at what the Tampa Bay offensive line was able to do against Washington. And we expected that Tom Brady was potentially going to have the kinds of issues we've seen in past playoff games where it's fallen apart. The Super Bowl losses to the Giants, that ugly loss to the Jets in 2010. Just a few weeks after the Patriots had splattered the Jets, the Jets managed to get the pressure up the middle. Pressure up the middle, pressure up the middle. That's the key. It's not around the edges. It's up the middle. You have to disrupt it. You have to get right at him. I, I don't know if he's – you just can't. I mean, who in, the, who in the world can function in the pocket when they are blasting right through the middle in your face? You're not going to be able to function. I don't care who you are. You got to have the mobility to run out of the pocket, which clearly Tom Brady doesn't have. So that's the key. And and if the Bucks were able to shut down Washington, I they, they should be able to slow down the Saints and give Tom Brady time to throw the ball. I, I would think so. I yeah. I, I I would. I'm with you there too. And you know they they've just made a concerted effort to always do it. You know they bring in extra offensive tackles to play the tight end position, and they have six offensive linemen pass protecting. So he feels like he's you know, he feels like he's in a, a fortress at times. So that is going to be key. And then because of that, like I'm with you, I think they're going to be able to protect him with just a four-man rush. So now the Saints, okay, you're going to blitz and do some things and be creative? All right. I don't know. We'll see. The way Brady's throwing the ball and those weapons are catching it, that's going to be scary. So I think that's going to be very interesting. And to me, I think we hit it. That's the theme of the game. Can they get pressure on Brady are they going to have to compromise everything to blitz and then leave Lattimore and those guys one-on-one -on, -one on the back end? If they have to do that too much, they're playing with fire, and they could certainly get upset. All right, other side of the ball, Saints offense, all their weapons back, firing on all cylinders. Can the Buccaneers slow them down? I don't know if they can. I don't. You know, like we talked about the last few weeks, when you can block the Bucks' blitzes, you can gash them in the pass game. And – the first that that thirty eight to three victory. This is where I worry about the Bucks. The thirty eight to three victory, Mike. 
you know, going back and watching that a little bit, the Bucks tried to play coverage and be conservative early, but Breeze and them just picked them apart. And then it became, okay, we're going to blitz and try to get in your face. And they had a little success, but then once the Saints kind of figured out, okay, they're changing their approach, you know, they blocked it up and still picked them apart. So that's where I don't know. The Bucks defense is the big question mark to me in this football game. You know, it really is. And, and the Saints offense, it, it's real good. I don't think it's great. Breeze's ability to make plays and do things like that, it's still a, certainly a question mark, but I think they've been trying to be more aggressive throwing the ball down the field to a degree with Drew Brees. Um, but I don't know, Mike. What, how do you feel about that? Do you think the Bucks can match up with them and slow down the Saints' offense? They're going to have a hard time. They're going to have to take some chances. They're going to have to hope to get lucky. They're going to have to have a plan for Michael Thomas. You need to go back and look at what the Vikings did to Michael Thomas in the playoffs last year to neutralize him. Yeah. Then you got to deal with Alvin Kamara. Don't look at what the Vikings did to neutralize Alvin Kamara <laughs> yeah. a few weeks ago. Right. Please don't do that. Right. So it's, it's going to be a challenge. I mean, this could become a shootout. It could become keeping up with this theme of keeping the opposing quarterback on the sidelines drinking Gatorade. It could be that you want to keep the Saints offense off the field. That could be what the Bucks try to do. So run the ball, slow it down, grind it out, and, and force the Saints to have a greater sense of urgency where they're on the field. This could be a lower-scoring game than we would think. It could be. If the Bucks play it that way, because we know the Saints have that methodical offense. Sure. It could be maybe the, maybe the Buccaneers go into a kind of a deeper, almost a cover-two shell type of a thing, force them to work their way down the field, bend but don't break. Then when they get the ball, slow it down, slow it down, and, and we get a game where, in hindsight, we're like, holy crap, it was 17-13. I mean, these type of games can certainly lend itself to that, you know, especially when you're playing a team for the third time and you know every trick they got and every little thing they like to do as far as attacking to where, yeah, you as a coach can't schematically ever create or coach something up to just get somebody wide open or gash somebody. I wouldn't be surprised. This game, I wouldn't be shocked if it was 38-34 or, like you said, 20-17, 17-14, something like that. But in the end, I think I, I'm going to go with the team that I've seen win twice and the team that – you know, even though I question a little bit some of the things with the Saints, I guess I, my biggest question about this game in, in general is the Bucks defense. I don't trust that. So I'm going Saints 28-24. All right. Uh, ha, 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 ha. We've agreed on every game so far this weekend. And I'm not motivated by my desire to catch you in the straight-up contest for the postseason. But four straight years of the Saints with some sort of – what in the hell was that exit to the postseason? 20th anniversary of the Tuck Rule game. Oh, okay. that's amazing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot my shot, and I'm going to say that we're going to have some type of screwy, messed-up ending where the Buccaneers win this game at a time when it looks like they're not going to win the game. I'm going to say Bucks 24, Saints 23, and and it, there's going to be something about this that makes us say, holy crap, but a word other than crap. That's my shot. I'm rooting for that. I want that. We want that last game to be memorable, and it likely will be the last game of Drew Brees. Man, if there's karma in the universe, it should go the other way around. It's just, you know, 20-year anniversary you don't even know if that guy would be the guy he is today if that wasn't called there. Well, 
And that's where I just go, man, and the way the Saints have lost. Like, if it happens that way, I hope it's the Bucks that have the end-of-the-game disaster and the Saints win the football game just for pure karma purposes. And it's not the actual anniversary, but it's damn close to it. The right. 17th is the day of the game, and the 19th is the 20th. Close the, enough. The 19-year anniversary. Crap. That killed a good narrative. It's the 19-year anniversary. Either way, <laughs> Bucks win. We're going to take when we return divisional round prop. Boy, that really. Yeah, it's going to hurt your voice. How has he done it all these years? That's how he the naturally FTPM talks. Chris Sims on button back right after this. A lot of cigarettes, apparently. <laughs> PFTPM Chris Sims unbuttoned. You know, they thought that, that we needed a filler segment with only four games because, like, we wouldn't talk long enough about the four games. Well, guess what? We did. So they the don't know who they're messing gonna, with. <laughs> the filler segment's not going to be very long. Some divisional round props. Quarterbacks to pass for more than 300 yards this weekend. Over under of the eight quarterbacks is three and a half. You going over or you going under? Oh, I am going to go. Let me just see, calculate this real quick. One who I'm going under. I'm gonna go under. I'm going over. Give me the over. Uh, I I I I just gut feeling over. More rushing yards. Cam Akers for the Rams or Aaron Jones for the Packers in that first game of the weekend. Oh. I'm gonna go. Akers with, is at an over under of seventy and a half, and Jones is at sixty eight. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Aaron Jones here. I am. I think the Rams are gonna be so worried about Rodgers in the pass game, it's gonna lead to a few more pa- uh, running lanes for Aaron Jones. Lamar Jackson had over 130 rushing yards against the Titans. His over/under for the game against the Bills is 75.5. Which way are you going? Oh, this is like uh, you know we talked about it. The Bills really defended their Lamar run game well last year. That's where I want to go. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go like barely under because I think okay he might now run, but J.K. Dobbins and I think his right arm will make us some big plays in this game too. I'm gonna go barely under. I'm going over. All it takes is him busting through I one know. time with one of those runs that, that they just can't get to him. They know what they want to do, but their legs won't let them get there. All it takes is one of those, and he's over. Yeah. All right, more receiving yards Saturday. Devontae Adams for the Packers against the Rams or Stephon Diggs for the Bills against the Ravens? I'm going to go with Diggs. I am, because I just think the Ravens will take more chances by putting him on an island and like and just and go, okay, the, the Ravens can't help themselves. And I just think Josh Allen, their ability – to make plays, even when you cover them and scramble and like off schedule plays, I- I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with that. Where man, Devontae's got to deal with Jalen Ramsey and them. I'm, I'm gonna go with Diggs. I'm going with Adams because I think Rodgers is still gonna throw it to Adams and he's gonna find a-, a window and get it through. Whereas Allen will pivot to one of these other guys because he's got more weapons other than his number one receiver than Rodgers does. I think Rodgers is gonna have to throw it to Devontae Adams. More receiving yards for the Chiefs. Tyree Kill or Travis Kelsey? I, I, I'm going to go Hill. I mean, this is a hard one. They're both awesome. I know that. But, the, like, the Browns' defense more times than not lends itself to almost like man-to-man on the outside. Excuse me as I choke on myself. I would be disappointed if Kansas City doesn't just play a little bit like our guy's better than your guy on the outside. We're going to play one-on-one. They should do that. I'm going to go with Tyree Kill here. I'll go with Kelsey just to make it fun. Most receiving yards in the Saints-Buccaneers game. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, or Michael Thomas? 
I'm going to go Michael Thomas. <clears throat> I think he's just going to slowly shred them apart in the middle of the football field. Might not be big plays, but just consistent eight and nine and ten yarders. I think it's going to be Mike Evans. I think we're going to see a Larry Fitzgerald type of performance from Mike Evans as he gets closer and closer to something he's been waiting his whole career to do, grabbing that brass ring. I think we're going to see Mike Evans reach a higher level. And also he had that injury that ended up being a near miss. I think he's going to play with a reckless abandon. You know, we saw how Jarvis Landry was playing on Sunday. I think that's how we're going to see Mike Evans against the Saints when Sunday night rolls around. All right, let's take a break. Our best bets and our Folsom Prison Blues pick. We will do that when PFTPM and Chris Sims unbutton continue right after us. Wrapping up PFTPM and Chris Sims unbutton division around preview. Best bets time. We're doing two this week since there's only four games, plus our Folsom Prison Blues pick, which is the one game that if we were lying Dead in a gutter is the game that we would say is going to go the way we think it will go. Let's start quickly. Uh, best bet. Who do you got? Well, I'm, I'm taking the Rams. Uh, I don't think the Rams lose by more than six and a half points to the Green Bay Packers. That's going to be my first pick. All right. I'm taking the Packers. There you go. Next best bet. I'm going to go with the Browns. I don't think the Chiefs are going to beat them by more than 10 points. I'm, I think the Browns are hot right now. I think they're going to be in playoff mode. and The Chiefs are going to take a few minutes to get their feet underneath them. I've got the Ravens because I think they're going to win and they're underdogs. That one's easy for me. What's your Folsom Prison Blues pick? The one game, if you're dying in a gutter, you would pick to win this weekend straight up. I, 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 the, the, the Chiefs beat the Browns, even though I got yep. the Browns to cover it. I mean, yeah, it's the one where uh, I just don't see the Chiefs losing the football game. Team that hasn't been in the playoffs for 18 years versus team that just ran the table coming back from double digits in every game and had two weeks to get ready. Sorry, Browns. The road ends here for now. Show ends here for now. We'll see you next time. Everybody enjoy the games this weekend. See ya. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.